there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, time for some advanced medicine coming at you. Where? San Diego. Still in San Diego. Dr. Rashid Bittar, one of the featured speakers for both the medical side and the patient side of the conference. And, Dr. Bittar, you've done probably about a million or two of these things. Uh, not all like this. They're all having unique attributes. But what was your experience here at, uh, with Andy Brandt and the crew? Um, probably the same as your experience because you spoke at both uh, both, <laughs> both groups too, right? You spoke at the doctors' conference and you talked at the at the non doctors' conference. So, yes, um, yeah, I, I like the way you do that always, Robert. I, I like the way <laughs> you always like you know you always got the radio show hat on, so you always kind of. I don't know whether people always know the other part that you play, but yeah. I mean, what other part? There's yeah. no other part that I play. What are, you, what are you making up? Even when you're in stage giving presentations, you really got the radio hat still on, right? <laughs> it's a, you're just doing a part of the, for the, for the radio show, part of the radio show. But no, um, it, it was, I think, uh, I mean, what would you say? Why don't you answer that question first? All right. Oh. So here, here's, here's the highlight for me. The people that work with you um, came to me and complained because you're always late. <laughs> Except, they say, when it's time for the Robert Scott Bell Show Advanced Medicine, he drops everything. And people are so annoyed with you. Your coworkers are like, why? Why? What did he say? What did he do? I said, I feel very happy about that. So that was my highlight. <laughs> you know, actually, the truth of the matter is that whenever I've lectured, that's the one thing that the convention mm-hmm. or, or the symposium or the conference, the people that are putting him on, they've always said they, they get nervous because it's um, – you know, 30 minutes before I'm supposed to be on the stage, they're calling the front desk and saying, did he check in? Is they don't there, know that. Right. Yeah, they haven't seen it. And they should do this all the time. And I'd walk in like, you know, two minutes before with a little drive, give the conference director, if I knew him, you know, a hug, yeah. hand him the thing, walk on it's stage, do my presentation. And I had to do that because remember like 2004, 2005, 2006, I was doing 65, 75, sometimes 80 um, Ridiculous, yeah. In, in a year. So Thankfully, like, not, so not that quantity anymore right quality. if you look at the number I mean, yeah. that's more than a one a week because some uh, every third week to fourth week i would do two conferences i'd fly in somebody friday and saturday so i got i mean to me talking in front of a stage is actually easier than yeah it's an know, extent I, it becomes an extension of your body it's another appendage to be able to walk on stage the way you do it the way i do it we, but at, at, at the same time i'm just watching all the people that know you well and around you and you know did i make somebody nervous here i don't think so no yeah. no no not oh. but but your team you know oh, your oh, yeah, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. when i hear and they're just it's hilarious because I'm like, well, at least he shows up for my show, for our show together, and, and we have a great time. And I say this, too, about me, that until I'm on the radio, I might be late to things, or I might really kind of be a bit absent-minded about time. Mm-hmm. But I know that we have to start at a certain time. There's a commercial break at a certain time. Right. So it's in my DNA there, and you show up here, and you're ready to go. And so we had a good laugh about it. But, you know, you, you know on stage, uh, you know, the way you were speaking to the folks, and I've seen you many times, Seems like it was, again, once again, well received. The the video, which is very moving, of seeing uh, the kids uh, uh, with autism, the adults with cancer, and how they've benefited by the, by the treatment and care. Uh, but I, I think your bottom line is uh, it's not about you or having more people come see you. You've already got more than you can you can ever cover. But it's about at this point, how do we reach not only the patients, but you did for the doctors with some, with things that are going to make their uh, their efforts succeed more right. more frequently. Well, you know, I felt that that 
lecture that I gave to the doctors. That was probably my worst lecture I think I've ever given. Uh, and I think it's because it was more oriented around some research that we've done as opposed to the philosophy or the generalities. And that's one reason I think that the uh, – I don't know how long you were there for the one that you introduced me. By the way, that was an awesome introduction. Thank you again. What did what I say? Something really I, I don't made something up? Yeah, I think you did it. <laughs> I, I remember I just had to pay you like five bucks. Normally I only have to pay you like two bucks. But <laughs> right. What, it went up on that one, buddy. Yeah, exactly. But um, I don't know whether, how late you were there, mm-hmm. whether you were there to th- towards the end. But that, I felt, was like my normal because – People connected. There were people right. that were emotionally moved. There were people that came up and asked. And you know, I was able to actually demonstrate some of the principles that we talked about right mm-hmm. there in the crowd after the conference, after the um, presentation, because you saw people voicing the same exact thing. We talked about the fear aspect. Yeah. And you know, they had this lady that came up and asked a couple of questions. And she knows she has metal toxicity. She's got cancer, but she's afraid to move forward. What should I do? And I'm like, what? what mm-hmm. were, you, were you sitting here? And everybody else, you know, I called every, they had formed a long line there was sure. about 40 50 people and i said come around and they kind of came around so i said this is a teaching point yes and so they were we went back and forth and it was interesting because some of the other people that go what, what are you talking about you, you said you got metal toxicity you're afraid he's already said don't you know don't let fear motivate your actions go get it one one guy goes hey i'll drive you there right now hey what time is it six thirty? you think anything's open at six at seven you know in the evening and so how on did, a saturday how did that particular person who was a patient obviously and very f- frightened uh respond at that point where they do you feel like they were overwhelmed or they were start, finally it took that to get the message through uh you know it was overwhelming you could see yeah. it was overwhelming it was like a yeah. shock and, and even though they may intellectually understand it they haven't felt it and when there's all these other people they may have feel overwhelmed but sometimes you need to like almost sure. smack it out of a person yeah. because they need to understand and become aware of how absurd their argument is mm-hmm. no i understand that i'm not allowing fear to motivate me but i just want to know yeah you know should i do it what, what do you mean? Should you do it? And, and Fear is still motivating, right? You. And I had to also cross, to make sure that they didn't cross the line, and tell them, "Listen, it's not ethical for me to tell you what you should or shouldn't do because one, you're not my patient, and two, I don't know. You could be an undercover FDA agent that's sure. sitting there trying to, you know, push me into it." And they were right. <laughs> so anyway, the point is not <laughs> that they I'm, all attacked her as an FDA agent, right? right. No, 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 they, they start kind of looking at everybody, kind of start looking, <laughs> but and of course, I had to pre-qualify it and say, "Listen, guys, nobody's saying that. I'm just saying that you know, I can't give you medical advice because right. that's not." That's not what I'm here to do, and, and legally and ethically, I shouldn't do that even if I did want to do that because, one, you're not my patient, and two, you're under somebody else's care, and three, there's certain laws about that, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy to give you advice if you come as a patient, but you know, yeah. again, nobody wants to wait a year or no, no, and that's a, that was a funny story you also told about uh, you know one of the children that you helped to recover, and there was a follow up visit, and you were you're looking at this child going, "This child is fine. Why are you here?" Well, I'm well, actually that's the kid in the video, the, right? The, the video, yeah, right? right. And, and it turned out that they were there, the 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 kid, the husband, the father, mother, right? They were there. They admitted to, for the dad at that point, right. who was sort of skeptical at the beginning of the treatment for the son. Oh, he was but you very did, skeptical in the beginning. And at you the, did such good work at the end. He's like, I got to get in, but I can't wait a year. And they found a way in because a follow up only right. a month away. Well, actually, uh, about 10 months afterwards, he was the one that said that I'll take, you know, what, and if you ever need anything, I'll take a bullet for you, whatever. That, so there's a huge transition there. But yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. They, they came in a couple months later under. Mm-hmm. The pretense that the son needed treatment or mm-hmm. needed a visit, but they really, yeah, yeah. exactly. They but folks, it. if you're going through a real tough time now or if you feel like you've been hit with a hammer or a two-by-four, uh, you know, some of my most important lessons in my life in healing or, or getting me to learn about healing were the most vicious and brutal. Right. You know, and, and I'm not advocating vicious brutality from a doctor because some people have horrible bedside manners. My mentor in homeopathy, I've talked about him, much like Dr. Kelly for Dr. Nick told, told stories of just like these people were not very nice people, right? 
Uh, but at the same time, uh, I learned a lot. And it's like, how do you do? You don't advocate me being mean, but sometimes uh, healing isn't always pretty. Well, it's also not about being mean. It's mm-hmm. what, what's the intention? Sometimes a person, you know, why were they, quote, seen as mean? It's because mm-hmm. when, you've, when you know something and you've experienced it and you felt it and you feel that a person isn't receiving the message or there's an impatience, it can be perceived by the other party that it's sure. mean. But it's not intended to be mean. It's intended, sometimes it's frustration that the person is exhibiting that is interpreted as being meanness. Yeah. And so it's something that I'm sure that I've been accused of that before. Sure. But my intention for anybody that's come to me is to help them. Right. And I have had people that, I think I've told you, I've had screaming matches <laughs> with uh, you know, t- two specific individuals. Both of them were huge much bigger than me you know one was six seven and one was six nine or something and they were bears like you know and literally screaming matches one time my staff actually heard it and they called the police because it was that much you know and, <laughs> oh my and, and the screaming was to the point where i said you want to die fine you die but you're not going to die in my watch and and that same guy um passed on a job that would allow him his house burned down um he had gotten a job offer in colorado but as I stepped out to take a call from another doctor, one of the students and my PA that was in the room, mm-hmm. he continued talking to them. And after the visit was done, the patient was leaving, and I'm ta- the, uh, the, the student, the medical student, was talking to me. Some of the uh, medical students from North Carolina rotate through our office occasionally. And uh, the student says, wow, that's really powerful, Dr. Patel, how this uh, patient feels about you. And I said, what are you talking about? Because I wasn't in the room at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, he's, his house burned down. You know that? And I said, yeah, I know that. And you know, he's been sick. He's got hepatitis C, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, yeah, and he's got a job offer making four times what he's making here in North Carolina. But he won't leave because of you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, he won't leave because he doesn't trust anybody else to take care of you. This is the same guy that I had a screaming match with. I, I chased him down in the parking lot. And I said, you will take that job. You will go there. And he goes, but what about And I said, forget about that. I will take care of that too. We'll find a doctor there. You, they get the protocol. He wouldn't. But he didn't want to leave. And, you know, we've had over a dozen and a half patients, mm-hmm. maybe more, that have moved their whole families to Charlotte just because they wanted to be closer to where we were to get the, continu- the continuity of care. Sure. And, I mean, that's a really, really huge compliment. I mean, it's, uh, it makes you realize how much of a responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to have that much responsibility, but... No, I know, but it, again, that directness for some, it frightens them. For, for others, it ultimately ingratiates them because they recognize your commitment to them and their path for recovery, uh, even when they might not have been sure of their own commitment, right? You didn't give up on them. But it is a tough part of being a practitioner that you, you, sometimes you identify the people that aren't sincere in their desire to get well, and as much as you'd want to... F- force them i i don't you don't really because we know that not, it doesn't help them it doesn't help us we, exactly and we're uh, we're here for those who are ready to get well and robert that's a really good point too that some people are not willing to or capable of making that commitment to mm-hmm. get better themselves and they're almost attached to their illness they're almost uh, it gives them an identity it gives them something because they have nothing else and i know that sounds sad and it is sad but there are people like that. I'm sure you've seen those type of people, too, oh, that, sure. that are more attached to their illness. Rather, In fact, Munchausen syndrome is a medical syndrome that is associated where a parent will mm-hmm. continue to hurt the child in some you know, subversive way without anybody knowing it. And it's only because their identity is that the child is sick and to help the child. And, mm-hmm. and 
doctors are trained on how to identify this because that is a real phenomenon. We've actually had a patient like that. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is often it's been used against uh, parents of of vaccine-injured children wrongly, right? right? And so, you know, there are subtleties to that. But, hey, this is why we do advanced medicine each and every week here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you miss a show, particularly the advanced medicine edition with Dr. Rasha Bittar, you can go to medicalrewind.com. In addition to all of our syndicated affiliates and, of course, UK Health Radio across the pond, SoundCloud, GCN, our syndicator. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, something I mentioned yesterday briefly on the show. Didn't have time to go into uh, the Somali population in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and how they're being hammered with vaccines. Children, autism rates far, far surpassing the national or even international average. Why is that? We're going to talk about it after this. Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. I still here in San Diego, uh, heading out in a well a day and a half or so. Doctor Tar's on his way out, but uh, we've got lots more to do this hour uh, with him. Uh, one of the things, when I was at the, the National Health Freedom uh, Action Group, they had their annual meeting. And these are the health freedom folks, and they meet a lot of times in the Twin Cities where they're headquartered. And we had a Somali man come and speak to us at that event, and he was talking about the rates of autism that were outrageous in that community because there's an immigrant population seemingly concentrated in Minneapolis. And now uh, there are efforts to educate that community by those who know, about the danger of vaccines, the relationship to autism, and what's causing it. And there was a meeting scheduled, as I, as I understand it, at a local community center that was paid for by the group to help educate the Somali community. And the health department somewhere in Minnesota canceled the contract so that this community would not know that they could say no to vaccines, that there was an exemption available to them. Yet the rate of autism, I, I can't say it's 100%, but it appears that like every family that's immigrated there, that has their children vaccinated, has at least one child that is autistic. And yet if you go to Somalia, I don't think there's any detectable autism in that country that I've heard of. Well, actually, uh, so let me tell you, it just so happens by coincidence, Mm -hmm. obviously this wasn't planned, but we have a number of patients, cancer and autism, from the Somali community in Canada and in Minnesota and some of the northern states. And uh, the cancer patients that I've treated from there, they're all young. They're 16, 17 um, osteosarcoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there's only been three, but they're they're all under 20. And uh, your point is well taken, but because of what that community has seen from our clinic, the word spread back to Somalia, and we have actually had two children come from Africa to us being for treatment for, for autism, autism or cancer. Autism. 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 So, uh, it, as far as you know, the attempts in Africa to vaccinate well, everybody—that's exactly what I was going to say. Because they had gone through, they had been vaccinated there, okay. very aggressively. Yeah, and they were obviously well to do for them to travel from Africa and to be able to get a sure uh, medical treatment visa, whatever the case. Because I'm was. thinking out in the bush, they're not tracking no. you down to vaccinate That's you right. there, and you're not going to find That's autism right. once again. That's right. So, uh, you know, this is uh, this goes to the heart of the attempts of 
those I would say evil doers, right? Maybe maybe we perceive that someone may not be evil, but they're behaving evilly. I don't know, but however you perceive it, is that but a the, word? Is that, uh, usually, I'm the one who says wrong you words. make words. I I yeah. had to make evilly? a word. Yeah, evilly. I, I like that. I, all right, Doctor Evilly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that the cousin of Doctor Evil. <laughs> exactly. And, and this is uh, this is something that. I, you know, it, it, tur- it t- kind of turns my stomach when I hear it because we know it's there. It's just not pleasant to observe it. But these are people that are desperate to cling to uh, a false reality, again, in, in, in fear, of course, by engaging in fear-mongering among the Somali population. You have not to get just the Somali population, but among all sure. the populations of the world. And Kelly said something, Kelly Gallagher. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, the no, it's all right. Kelly Gallagher, uh, who was one of the producers of Vaxxed, who we... Met here, and I know she's been. A she's done a lot of work with the Mercury Front and documentary films right, and things right. too. Yeah, and she's. Uh, we just really hit it off and spent a lot of time together. Um, but one of the things that that Kelly said that was very profound. She said that the medical hierarchy here. There's like she was talking about the dental board, the California dental board. And she said the unique thing with the California boards are that the California boards tend to dictate what the standard is for the rest of the country, and the rest of the country dictates the standard for the entire world, and. She's right, because in different parts of the world that I've gone, everybody thinks that if it's U.S.-based, it's the gospel, it's the right. best thing since sliced bread. And so they think anything you, anything the U.S. does, they need to follow, which is absolutely insane because we are leading the front in, in insanity. Yeah. It, so, well, infant mortality, not too impressive here in the United States. Autism uh, rates in 1 autism, in 34. I mean, just, it's, it's bad. And it you know, always reminds me of when I went to West Africa. I went twice, and uh, I talked to the doctors there uh, both times. And my message to them was, kick the medicine of the white man out. And I was like, they were looking at me funny. It's like, what is that? You don't come to Africa from America. You come to show how great you are and how to teach us because we don't know, right? I'm saying, no, no, no. Your ancestors knew. Go into the bush. Shave the medicine of your ancestors. That will save us all. And I really meant that from the heart. Now, it didn't mean I wanted to throw out emergency trauma medicine. I tried to clarify that, of course. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely 100% right. In fact, we talked about that with some uh, emergency medicine doctors here. Mm -hmm. And... This particular doctor who is not happy, he, he owns multiple urgent care centers and emergency medicine um, independently. Basically, Texas apparently passed the first law where you can have an independent emergency center without being affiliated with the hospital. So he has okay. a number of emergency care centers. We call them Doc in the Box. They, that's a nickname for them. Well, th- those are actually like the urgent care centers where right. pretty much everybody has that. But as far as an independent emergency medicine, like a, uh, an ER, emergency okay. room, yeah. that's usually not something that okay. you can have. So hey, th- listen, I'm curious where you're going with this because I'm not sure yet. I'm going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, what is the response from these ER docs where they might be doing legitimate allopathic medicine where we will support them. And, and is there a disconnect there as well? Stick with us. Go to MedicalRewind.com if you ever miss a show with Dr. Bittar. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, Dr. Batara, I cut you off because we were going to break, and, and I don't know, I wasn't sure where you were going with the discussion with ER docs here. What, I was just running random, you know, my oh, you were not. going off. You had a point. I just want to make sure I'm on board with it. Where, where, well, where? I appreciate you taking the break right then so I could reorient myself and find <laughs> out where I was going with it. But anyway, the point is uh, the doctors that are doing trauma medicine, they understand, in fact, the reason they were motivated to go into trauma medicine or acute care medicine was because they felt that the conventional medical realm 
where we all have to go through the same training just was lacking, that it was palliative at best, that it was miserable, that there was no way they could see the rest of their life being in a, in a, in a situation where they're practicing medicine like that. Mm-hmm. And it was the, um, the reinforcement and the reward of seeing somebody get better that led them into the trauma medicine or into the acute care medicine. And they want to do something in what they – a couple of these guys use different words, uh, real medicine – Authentic medicine, good medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, uh, to all of them, I said, advanced medicine? Is that what you're trying to say? And of course, they were like, yeah, that's it, advanced <laughs> medicine. But it was interesting to see the thought process on the other end having being exactly the same thought process that we've had and that we've talked about in the show and that many of my close friends that are in this form of medicine also have felt and why they were led to make that transition because they were looking for a better way of helping people to get the results that they were seeking. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the problems that we have I think in our society that people are motivated to do certain things based upon how it makes them feel. And that's exactly how it should be. But the vast number of people are not motivated by that. They go through life uh, basically uh, – what um, the word that I'm looking for they, – they, they accommodate the situation. They, they – um, what is it when, when you settle? You know, they're settling. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, no, I get I get a compromise. Compromising, uh, but, yes. But, you know, they might have... Such a, a hard word. I can't think of the word compromise. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's how often... It's not like come. evilly or something like no, that. No, no. Right? This is a real word you're talking about now. <laughs> but we talked about the people that are driven by fear who pretend not to be or think they're not being really, uh, yet they enter a situation and they compromise what they probably deep in their heart or gut know they should do. Right. And that's yeah. what leads to their own discourse. You can see how unhappy they are. Mm-hmm. You can see that they're miserable. And, and, and they've basically modified and adjusted and compromised and, and settled for something right. that is not satisfy, satisfactory right. or nourishing to their soul. Yeah. Switching gears here with that thought form. I'm like compromise to misery. I'm, that's what comes to mind. They compromise themselves into a miserable circumstance. Yes. One guy who doesn't do that Donald Trump. I agree with you. You know, whether people like him or hate him or somewhere in between, the guy does not compromise to, to misery. He, he, he is enjoying himself, even if he's annoyed in the process because it's part of who he is. And I just think he didn't show up at the White House Correspondents' Dinner the yeah. other day, right? right? And he's like, all the presidents are supposed to go. I think the last time that happened, I don't know if it was Reagan or somebody else years ago that didn't show up. But it's like, you know, why do I want to show up and just be, be, be tatered by everybody that doesn't like me? Right. That's, right. I mean, I, that's not compromising. No, I totally agree. And, you know, this is interesting because they said that, you know, he didn't show up because the media and he's constantly beating up the media and the media is his punching bag and he abuses the media and he's threatening the uh, freedom of speech because he's threatening to have libel suits. But you know what? I don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican or a Libertarian or what you believe. I don't care whether you're an agnostic or not or an atheist or whatever. Regardless mm-hmm. of what your belief system is, yeah. the bottom line is he is right. He is hundred percent correct that the media is manipulated because if it wasn't then people would know that vaccines cause injury and the media would cover it they, you would know the cause of cancer and how mm-hmm. environmental triggers are inducing this and the results the the, the pathetic results with chemo and radiation right. and, and the national cancer institute and the american cancer society and their statistics and their nonprofit organizations and they're posting profits of almost a billion dollars the media would be reporting these things but they doesn't the media mm-hmm. doesn't because it is not honest and if it were honest then these things would be known so you can't disagree with that i mean no compromised to misery and you say the media is compromised without a that's doubt that's the way to say it uh so it, again it's fascinating and again you're right it, it it has nothing to do whether you agree or disagree with trump the fact that he's going to the media and going you know you guys can bugger off (laughs) why would i mess with you you're a bunch of liars and they are you know case in point like i I bring this up again the um 
the talk on silver, which I talk about the, the headline at USA Today, oh, it kills epithelial right, cells, right? right? I, gr- I mean, spend a little bit of time explaining that because that is such a crucial thing. Yeah. And this is, this is a point in fact. This is just another point in fact because I talked in generalities. But here's a study that was done that showed that silver caused cells to die. Mm-hmm. And in actuality, when you read what the study showed, it was talking about it causes cancerous cells to die, not healthy cells. Yeah. But they reported it in a completely opposite way mm-hmm. and to mislead the public. Yeah, purposefully. That's not an oversight. you know. And we got a good laugh out of that. And the, they got it. It was like, yeah, it's funny. But how many of them might look to the mainstream media and other things and believe it? And I think that point is what Trump is saying. Why do you look at them ever exactly. and believe it? Exactly. They're not credible. That's exactly right. Because the pharmaceutical companies now, the masters, are telling them do this. It wasn't a mistake because now they're going to use this to tell people don't use silver. And uh, am I saying that Am I saying that they're threatened by the use of silver, that the conventional side is threatened from an antibiotic standpoint? Well, yeah, actually, I am saying that because when you start looking at, in fact, even the product that, uh, you know, the stuff that I talked about, the stabilized allicin, yeah. and that it's uh, in 120 different strains of methyl-resistant staph aureus, yeah. it had 100% success. All 120 strains that were resistant to conventional antibiotics, it the, the, the stabilized allicin worked. Silver, another thing that has mm-hmm. been throughout history used as an antimicrobial, antibacterial, yep. antiviral, mm-hmm. antifungal. Mm-hmm. We, we've used it. I've had doctors try to, again, you know, poo-poo that and say, right. come on, are you crazy? And I'm like, look, I was trained at the Institute of Surgical Research at the Brook Army Medical Center Surgical Residency Program, which is one of the top five surgical programs in the country, and that's where Silverdine was developed. Have you ever heard of Silverdine? Yes, it's what we use, and we still use, and everybody uses it. It's all based on silver, and that's an inferior form of silver. Right. So again, it's this misinformation and propagation of propaganda mm-hmm. to mislead the public, and it's very, very specific because it's actually very similar to what Hitler did. Yeah. You know, small, insidious pieces of information were put out there, and how do you boil, how do you cook a frog? Slowly, slowly, slowly. Yeah, Yeah, and it's that long game that they play. And oftentimes when we're right in the heart of it as as doctors where you're life and death, you don't have an ability to play a long – in terms of long-term recovery, yes, but you're reacting immediately in the moment. And most people are operating in the moment, so they'll just see that one headline. They won't put it in context, take it out and go deeper or broader on it. And, uh, you know, before you got in – I think it was before you came into my lecture that that morning – I acknowledge that Allison stabilized garlic because uh, the physician I've talked about uh, years ago uh, as, as a young homeopath at the time where he came to me, he was, already had a colostomy bag, right. and he was on Cipro daily. They, oh, yeah. didn't, they didn't think he would ever come off, right? Now, I know that was going to kill him. So he came to me for help, and one of the tools I used was an Allison stabilized garlic because I had met Peter Jostling, huh. the guy that kind of set the stage. And I think right. he used a I, slide talking about him. Yep, yep. And I don't know if he's still engaged in it because I haven't talked with him for years, but I knew it was like, my gosh, this is a very powerful natural medicinal product because mm-hmm. it's coming from garlic. Right. So uh, I was excited to see that you're engaged in that too. Right. And, you know, this whole misinformation thing of them doing this little bit at a time and the mm-hmm. public not being uh, aware. And it's, it's very evident when you talk to somebody about mercury, for example, they say, oh, well, everybody knows mercury is not good for you. Yeah, that, And you tell them, well, of course, but then why are they still using it? Well, they don't use it anymore. They don't put it in fillings anymore. Right. They don't have it in vaccine. This is how the public is misled because yeah. they, they're not aware. And so that that frog concept, I think, is important to remember because if you put a frog in hot water, what's the frog going to do? It's going to jump out. But if you put it in water and then put the water on the stove and slowly turn it up, now he's having a nice little sauna and before he knows he's, he's cooked. And this is what's happening to our our populace. That's what's mm-hmm. happening to people. And they're dumbing us down by giving us small little bits of this misinformation. And it's so absurd. You think, of course, they wouldn't do that. How can they say something like that? But, right. You know, 
truth is stranger than fiction. Totally. Uh, absolutely it is. And, um, you know, the USA Today article that came out the day of the conference here on the Friday going into the weekend talking about false hope and cancer, the irony of that article was that it was pointing to the mainstream cancer oncology right. therapies. And 40 doctors signed on to a response to USA Today to say, hey, you know, great that you acknowledge that, but, you know, there are a lot of physicians that are out there doing work well beyond that and having success results that are not false hope, but people that are really surviving, recovering, reversing. And yet, again, we know the USA Today is unlikely to publish it. If it does, they're unlikely then to follow up and say, who are these doctors? What is this conference? Let's let's spotlight something wonderful like a normal human would go, that's awesome. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's right, because they can't. They can't afford it because their masters would be unhappy with them and they get spanked. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're not going to ever do that. Right. Except for the doctors that like to get spanked, but I don't know any like that. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going into a totally different realm. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, let, yeah, let me just make a, a funny side note that's not so funny. We talk about the church of pharmaceutical mysticism a lot, uh, how uh, modern medicine has become more like a religion or a cult. And, you know, the issue of the Somalis in, uh, in Minnesota, a lot of them are coming from Muslim countries or they're Muslims. And so some people are taking it apart, the, the, the divisive nature of, uh, let's attack, let's attack in this way. And they don't understand the vaccine issue is, at all. And they're going, oh, could it be because they're Muslim? The Quran is telling them not to vaccinate. And I'm thinking, if it is, they're going to be a lot better off than the Christians who think, you know, a vaccination is good. You right, know, if you right. think about, the, and, you know, we know it's a false dichotomy or, or an artificial division, but at the same time, I look at these ignorant attacks and trying to find a religious reason, ignoring the religious reason that people are vaccinating, and it's not in the Quran or the Bible. They're religiously vaccinating because it's in the the DSM or some other medical text. Right, right. Well, Islam is the fastest-going religion, and I think that if people find out that uh, the Quran, if that's what they're saying, is promoting no, not vaccination, I think that there's going to be a lot of people converting to Islam. They're going to be the healthiest <laughs> ones, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. And, and so, you know, be careful uh, what you wish for if you, if you have a problem with any particular religion and you go down that route. But, you know, the point is, if you're a healer, a physician, or a doctor of any kind, you know, when I was called to heal, and, and, you know, I'm a spiritual guy, I believe in prayer, and the message to me was, yes, you're here to heal, but it isn't only one group or one religion or this or that. It was like, if somebody is sincere in asking for help, you're here to help them. And Yeah, you know, it's actually funny that you bring that up, because mm-hmm. I've always been the same way, you know that, mm-hmm. uh, but I've found that other people, when patients have come to me, yeah. and they, they will say something like, uh, Dr. Patar, I want to pray for you, but I'm, I'm not of your faith and I said listen no, no no there's one thing that I've learned and you've heard me say this at conferences before yeah. but I have this I was quoted in this and I actually you know it's nice when you quote it in something that you really like yes. um, and I'm fortunate that I, I've been quoted in a lot of things I don't like but uh, this, <laughs> yes. but it, it's uh, this this thing that I've said is that in my however many years I've been on the planet I think I was 40 when I said this uh, I've learned one thing that nobody has a lo- monopoly on mm-hmm. love on God and on stupidity because there are a lot of people that are obviously not, you know, I'm saying this somewhat facetiously, but I really meant that. Nobody has a monopoly on love, God, and stupidity. So when I encounter somebody who's stupid, I say a prayer of gra- thanks and gratitude because I know that they've got more than their fair share of stupidity. So that means there's a more love and God for me. Uh, yeah. I got nothing left for me. Exactly. No, yeah. it's beautiful. So uh, listen, we're, we're going to wrap up uh, the next segment here uh, as we've wrapped up from the Best Answer for Cancer in San Diego with Dr. Batar. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you're a new listener, to get his uh, international best-selling book. It's called The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. It's been translated in how many languages? Uh, a dozen and a half. Oh, yeah. yeah. More than I know, for sure. Uh, not in big Latin yet. Yeah, no, 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 I'm not sure about that one. All right. But, <laughs> all right, folks. we got a lot more healing to go. One more segment to do it in. Uh, enjoy the time. we got Dr. Batar, another segment, and we'll wrap it up after this. 
live around the world. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. You know, there was one annoying thing, Dr. Pitar, that we had at the Best Answer for Cancer. And it was the fact that when I wanted to walk up the stairs to my room, the, the door to get into the stairs had no, no handle. You, mm. you could only walk down. Oh, really? Yeah. I would walk. I was like, dude, what if somebody wants to walk up the stairs? Hmm. And this relates to... They will our, try to prevent you from being fit. I guess so. I mean, yeah. they're not used to the fitness craze. I mean, nobody walks in L.A. I guess nobody walks in San Diego either. <laughs> Take the elevator or else. Uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm being facetious. Obviously, the best answer for cancer was great. And wherever that conference is next year, y'all, please prepare, prepare to go. Whether you're a doctor or a patient or somewhere in between, whatever that might be. It could be both. Uh, this is a, a great conference. But the idea of exercise is a good, good story here because a lot of people rely on the, ca- the caffeine generation, the coffee generation. Uh, it turns out that taking the stairs is comparable as a pick-me-up to coffee, according mm. to a new study. Yeah, it's, uh, it would make sense because what well, coffee has the methylxanthines, you know, the stimulatory. You start walking up the steps, you're going to stimulate your body to start you know, exerting a little bit. It's the same thing. I've always said that if you want the, if you want the fix from coffee, then go out and either you know run or sprint or lift some weights or go. If it's not that that you want, then go lay in, you know, in the middle of the road and let an eighteen wheel come in. It'll get you the same. It'll get your heart. Or, or join the gym. Uh, there's a gym uh, that you can join to go there for naps. Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious. There, the Super Don found that last week. I was like, "What? You got to sign up? Just do that at home. It's for free, right? right, if that's right. What you want. They, they, that wouldn't that wouldn't elicit the same response as coffee, but maybe laying on the road and playing chicken with an 18 wheeler will you get your, your adrenal gland stimulated, yeah. maybe even hyper stimulated. Yeah. But I, I, if I was to weigh it out, so if coffee is a pick me up, uh, uh, stairs could be better. I mean, in fact, because you're not going to deplete your adrenals. You're right. going to, it's all enhancement, no depletion. I guess yeah. is the point. Exactly. I think that when people it's an addiction like anything else, you know, and an addiction that leads to – people say, well, what about decaffeinated coffee? Well, it's got – the problem with coffee is all the acids inside of coffee. And tea, Purines. The same thing. Right, exactly. There's so many, and there's heavy metals, and there's all sorts of other things in these, in these substances. And um, I, I think that probably if – there's many other substitutes that someone can do with, hot, with, a, with a hot beverage that's better for your health than coffee. Mm-hmm. And um, – what is that stuff that they had? There was a there was a company that had a fruit and nut mix that they would crush, and it looked kind of smelled kind of like coffee. It was an acquired taste. Apparently, coffee drinker said I tasted yeah. it, and I thought it was much more pleasant than coffee. It didn't have the bitterness, but I guess some people that there's liked one it. called Ticino that I've seen. That's a kind of a pow- you know, kind of to do some plants and things that that's good. I I like yerba mate personally. I've been using that. They use it in South America a lot. What's it called? Yerba mate. It's related to the Holly family. Say that three times. Three times, yerba mate. What happens? <laughs> Poof. Hey, where'd I go? I'm not in San Diego anymore. Uh, it, it has a lot of it's rich mineral content coming from really good soils in South America, and, and you know they they drink it their whole life. And no sympathetic uh, medical response. No, no. Um, you know they say there's caffeine in it, and, and some have argued it sits in stay in space differently, like a stereoisomer of caffeine. Some have called it montine. I find that I can't tolerate co- the caffeine from coffee if I have a little sip, just because hey, it tastes good. But that's it for the 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 interaction I have with the mate. 
been great. I have a lift and I feel good and I don't have a depletion, an adrenal depletion. I would have had it a long time ago because I'm very sensitive to coffee. What about, does it get your heart rate going and all that kind of stuff? I haven't found that to be the case for me, right? So, and I've heard people that had similar cases where they, they, they like coffee because of the lift it gave them, but they couldn't, you know, because of the deleterious action and they switched over to mate and maybe it's, it's certain body types respond well to that. Right. And my issue with coffee is basically because of all the acids in there, all the metals in there, all the other things, and also the fact that people get dependent on it. So if you think about the dependency aspect, it's like an, mm-hmm. it's like the elderly generation. People in their 70s and 80s, they start taking a laxative because they're constipated, mm-hmm. and then they keep on taking it, and they get used to it, and now they're dependent on a laxative. Whereas sure. if they just went out and t- took a walk or walked up the steps, as you said, it would stimulate the movement, the, peristaltic exactly. action, exactly. everything like that. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the point of this exercise article, which we like. And I know, uh, Dr. Pitar, we, he, you know, I called you one morning here. You're like 180 push-ups into it. I didn't go that high, but uh, – No, 165. I cut 165. my line at 165. That's no it. more than that, all no right? <laughs> so I wasn't at that level. But, yeah, I was funny, you know, finding a way to, 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 to balance the long days we had here. And I, I got to get some of this exercise in because you're sitting down or maybe you're doing a little walking, but it's not vigorous in the way we like. So, uh, folks, it's really simple to do these things. Things. And uh, if well, you, you didn't finish a, your thought, though, I called you. You called me, and we were both doing the same thing at the same, same time. time. Right? Yeah, it was weird. in our hotel rooms. <laughs> it, it's not weird, folks. It no. really isn't. Not the same room. <laughs> All right, All right, folks. That's Doctor Batar. This is Robert Scott Bell signing off from San Diego uh, for the time being. Uh, it's a pleasant, pleasant city. We had a great trip. Thank you to Annie Brandt for inviting us and having Doctor Batar here as well. And uh, we'll be back in studio in a couple of days. I've got some more things. Tomorrow from CV Sciences, I'm going to be at the heart of uh, the CBD that we take here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. So that'll be cool. But in the meantime, Dr. Batar, tell them what they need to know before we got to go. That the power to heal is unequivocally yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.